Peace of Christ be with you. Oh, I can feel it. The summer is almost over. This is good. It's nice to have the energy under four feet in the room. As we settle in, and you don't have to be totally quiet, but I invite you to give yourselves a few deep breaths to be drawn into the presence of the Holy Spirit in this community of faith. Sisters and brothers, let us worship the living God. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. O Lord, open my lips. O Lord, open my lips. O Lord, open my lips.
You may be seated. Welcome. Welcome here to Westminster. It is good to be worshiping with you this morning. If you're visiting, a special welcome to you. After worship, I invite you out into our patio for coffee, tea, some snacks, chance to get to know each other better. During the offering, if you here in the middle would take that booklet, pass it down, pass it back. It's a great way for us to connect with you if you're a visitor. Also a great way for you to connect with each other so you may greet each other by name. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. God of all creation, we give thanks for what you have made, for the joy of life, for the blessings we enjoy, for our good fortune we have found. We are grateful. At times, our gratefulness has been shattered by the way our people have spoken of one another. We acknowledge our own capacity to curse rather than bless with our lips. So may all we speak be a form of praise. May all we speak be a form of prophecy. May all we speak be a form of resurrection. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Praise be to God who welcomes us as we are, forgives and loves us unconditionally, and provides a way for us to walk and to talk together. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now this is the third Sunday, which means it's our birthday blessing Sunday. So if you have a birthday in August, or maybe if you missed a blessing over the summer, I invite you to come forward for the blessing. All right. Dolly's great birthdays. Right. Happy birthday to all of you. So often I think when we celebrate birthdays, we look at a birthday as the end of a year, right? We celebrate another year. We're another year older. But I often like to think of a birthday as a new beginning. And our birthday, we're starting a new year, right? We're starting afresh. A new year of our life is in front of us. So today I want to offer you a blessing, a prayer for new beginnings on your birthday. So let us pray together. Creator God, you are a God of new beginnings and new creations. In the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth, new life, blessed it and called it good. We give thanks for a new year and for new beginnings. We give thanks that you call us good. In the beginning, the heavens shone forth a star when Jesus was born. In the beginning of his ministry, the heavens opened up and called him your beloved. We give thanks that you walk with us in our human journeys. We give thanks that you call us your beloved children. O God of new beginnings, new life, and new journeys, walk with us, we pray, as we enter into a new year, a new path and new opportunities. Amen. So blessings to each of you on this new year of your life. Happy birthday.
right, happy birthday to all of you. And I'll invite the kids to come forward and also Ned and Charlotte to come forward and join me here at the front. That's all right. Four days. Nice. Hey there. All right. Excellent. Good. Perfect. Hey, guys. Good morning. Don't mind us. We're comparing when our birthdays are up here. Got a lot of good birthdays happening. Excellent. So I have two people sitting here next to me that you probably know. Most of you probably recognize these two. Eh, Wilson's giving me a oh, maybe. I know him. This. Bingo! I know him. He's the helper in Sunday school. And she is too. So this is Ned. This is Charlotte. That's exactly right. They have been helpers in Sunday school. You know Charlotte exactly. You know both of these people. They're awesome. Now, I was trying to think, I was thinking, they have been helpers in Sunday school for a while, and I was trying to think. I know it's been more than a year. I was thinking maybe it had been two years that they've been helping in your Sunday school classes. And then I checked. It's been three years that they have helped in Sunday school. Every single Sunday, either Ned or Charlotte has been here to be with you, to help you learn about God's love, to play with you, to share their love with you. That's pretty amazing. Three years. And guess what? They're both going to college soon. Ned's leaving in two days tomorrow. Ned's leaving tomorrow. Charlotte's leaving next week, right? They're going to college, so they're not going to be able to be Sunday school helpers anymore. So what I wanted to do is to bring you guys up here and thank you. Thank you for all of the love and energy and time you have given to these kids. So we have a card, and in this card is a little gift card. And we're hoping that you can use it to help, like, decorate your dorm room or something like that. Because they're, they're moving into a new dorm, and they're going to need all kinds of stuff to make it your own. So that's just a little thank you. Certainly a little gift card can't express all of our thanks, but we're so grateful to you guys for all of your help. Yes, that's a hope. Said so he hopes they get new jobs. Yes, that would be good. That would be good. <laughs> all right. So, so I want to say, I want to say a prayer. I want to say a prayer of thank you, and then they're going to lead you out to Sunday school, all right? So let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for Ned and for Charlotte, for all of their love, for all of their energy, for all of the time that they have given to the children of Westminster. We offer them a blessing, and we pray that you will lead them and guide them on their new adventures in college. And may they know that they always have a home here at Westminster. Amen. And I can't not give a plug for teaching Sunday school with these two sitting right here. It's an amazing adventure to teach Sunday school. If you might be interested, let me know. All right, let's go to Sunday school. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you. Hey, Grayson. Come back for a second. Come back for a second. So Ned and Charlotte are leaving for college. I just want to turn around, and there's Grayson. He's going to be taken over as our wonderful Sunday school assistant. Thank you, Grayson. All right. Now go be with all the kids. <laughs> all right. So now is a time when we can share with each other our joys and our concerns and be in prayer for and with each other. So if you have any joy or concern to share, just raise your hand. And let us know. Yes, Peter. We do. We have newlyweds among us. Marsha and Bob got married last Sunday afternoon. Congratulations. Our prayers are with you. Yes. I also noticed we have... We have Dominic Phillips' grandpa here with us. Dominic, who had major back surgery just a couple of weeks ago. He's now home, I understand, in healing. And just know that our prayers are with Dominic and prayers are with your family as he continues. What's going to be a long recovery, but uh, know, that, know that we're thinking of you. 
Others? Yeah, Lynn. So celebrating family birthdays and celebrating the eclipse that's coming tomorrow, yes. Yeah. Hi. Joe. Um, I was just, I Amen. Know that you have been in our prayers. So Joe's husband, Steve, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer earlier this year. He's had eight treatments, responding fairly well, and you're grateful for your time together. Amen. Others? Yes, Barb. Yes, yes. Thanks to God for the peaceful walk in Boston, and um, that actually brings up something I wanted to announce, um, is a community interfaith prayer gathering is happening this Friday evening, 6 to 7 p.m. It's going to be up at Kol Shafar, synagogue right up the road. Um, it's sponsored by the Marine Interfaith Council, and this is how they are describing the event. And they say it's love lives in Marin. We will pray together and publicly oppose bigotry, racism, anti-Semitism, and hate by affirming our shared values of inclusion, justice, and love. Rob and I are going to be there, and certainly any of you are invited to be there to pray together. The details are on our website if you want some more information. So continuing prayers for our nation, absolutely. And also prayers for the people of Barcelona following the attacks there this week. Let's have a few moments of quiet, and then I will lead us in the Lord's Prayer. So let us pray. Gracious God, you hear the prayers of your people. And they're offered in the name of the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from
The first scripture reading today is from the Psalms, uh, chapter 133, verses 1 through 3. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, live forevermore. This is holy wisdom, holy word. I should say that both readings today, that gorgeous call for unity... And this very different reading may feel timely, but they were actually from the lectionary. They were chosen for this day long ago. So open yourself to what the Spirit is trying to say to us today. Matthew 15, 10 to 20. Then Jesus called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. It is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? Jesus answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has planted, has not planted, will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. And Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Please don't tell my four-and-a-half-year-old son that last line. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I debated telling a couple of really heartwarming stories at the outset today, but ultimately decided against it because I thought you might just be sitting there slowly throughout the morning getting crushed under the weight of the elephant in the room. Is he going to say something about Charlotte? What's he going to say? Charlottesville. And is he going to hit it hard? Well, I'll begin by saying, I think I was more like you than unlike you this past week. I was a spectator, and I just watched heartsick as people marched under the Confederate flag and the Nazi flag, chanting things about Jews and about African Americans and making claims that these were, quote, their streets. And I watched alongside you, I suppose, as people gathered from many different religious faiths to worship together in a house of prayer and to oppose that demonstration. And I watched with you as prominent members from both major political parties roundly denounce that kind of demonstration. And then I saw the president stumble over that remarkably low hurdle of offering a swift and simple and unequivocal condemnation of that kind of speech. And then I saw as he played with what is fire, and that's false moral equivalency. And all all over a march to a statue 
of Robert E. Lee, the most famous general of the Confederacy, in a park that had been named for him, and the name was changed from Lee Park to Emancipation Park. I watched that, I assume, the way many of you watched that. Now, I, I want to make clear from the beginning, I'm not going to sit here and pound my fist on the pulpit today and spew a bunch of unhealed anger that's within me. It's not because I'm not angry. And it's not because I'm trying to avoid the pushback I might get if I did that. I'm called to preach the gospel, and sometimes the gospel calls you to say things that people don't want to hear. But I'm not going to do that largely because I don't think it would help any. And largely because uh, I love you. And one of the places I see hope in this world is in your faces. Because I watch you all the time navigate this world and deliberate and discern and consider how to be caring people and contribute to something positive in whatever realms you move, including the realm that we occupy together as a, as a faith body. So I don't think it would help to do those things, and I don't plan to do them. I'm also in the aware that in the midst of this, it's a luxury to be able to stop and to slow down and to take a deep breath. It's a luxury that not everybody has. It's a luxury that the people who gathered in the church in Charlottesville that night didn't have when people showed up at the worship service with torches. I can't get my mind off this picture of someone holding an Afri African-American girl who was crying in fear in her arms. They didn't have the luxury that we do to safely take a little bit of time to reflect but since we have that luxury, it seems to me we ought to take full advantage of it. To breathe deeply for a moment. To sink in. To reconnect and to remember where we came from. And therefore who we are. And therefore who we are called to be in this world that is sometimes confounding. So let's remember where we came from. In the beginning, so we like to say, there was a big bang. Now, what do you suppose it was that compelled all that mass and energy to explode and form the wonder that is this universe, a wonder which will be on display in rare form tomorrow? Well, that's about the limit of my scientific knowledge, and you've already seen the clumsiness of my scientific language, so I'll switch genres. Jonathan Edwards, known in the Christian community and outside as much as anything, for his fiery sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It's a favorite at Westminster, is it not? <laughs> right. I didn't expect you to laugh that hard, but... Edwards actually also gave us this beautiful image of God, and an eternal image of a loving God that we've forgotten and haven't maybe honored he described God as so full of goodness that it couldn't be contained. And it was in God's, quote, disposition to overflow. And so in Edward's mind, uh, God is like a fountain that can't contain itself. And it flows out into all creation. And you are the children of that loving overflow. Think of that as an image. What propelled that early explosion? It was God's uncontainable love. And it continues to flow through the universe today. Now, the journey from there to here hasn't always been so easy or so beautiful for God's children. Sometimes God's children have forgotten that there was enough love to go around. There was enough love for everyone. And so they've taken to fighting each other for it and grabbing what they could and putting other people down in the process. Often, God's children have lost touch with their source, and so they've turned to other sources, all of which ultimately proved mirages, alluring images, but ultimately empty and meaningless. God's children were enslaved, made slaves by other children of God more than once. Imagine that. 
God's children also in that journey were freed from slavery, led into freedom by somebody who'd been touched by God. And the people were given a new way of being, a new order to live by law, we called it. We remember the law, but we forget the other piece that came with it, just as formative, just as important, that, that God wanted to be in relationship with creation. And this was a radical, revolutionary idea in the time of ancient Israel, that the God, that our God, would not want to be distant from us as the gods were conceived of back then, but would want to be in touch with what God had made. God's goodness continues to flow through creation. And those who've been particularly in touch with it over time have reminded us of where we came from and who we are and have called us into our better selves. You could name those people for you. As Christians, we proclaim that we see the fullness of God in this world in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, who became both a window to us in how to live a godly life in this world and a mirror reflecting back how some people respond to a godly life in this world because that godly life threatens and calls into questions orders that we've set up that we think are righteous but are not. God has shown us a lot in Jesus. In Jesus, God sat with sinners and sat with those that the religious community had called impure and unworthy. And in doing so, God defied separation. In Jesus, God emptied himself of all power. You know, the oldest hymn we have about Jesus in the New Testament comes from the second chapter of Philippians, in, in which it says, Jesus did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but rather emptied himself and took on the form of a slave. Not as a slave owner, as a slave. And in doing so, God defied once and for all any notion of supremacy. In Jesus, God disarmed us for all time. Because when they came for Jesus that faithful night with swords and those who were on Jesus' side likewise drew swords, Jesus said, put that thing away. In Jesus, God seemed to lose to the powers and principalities and hatred of this world. But in Jesus, God surprised us and changed the very rules of existence and raised him up on the third day to remind us once and for all who and what wins. And in doing so, invited all of us to join on the winning side. Well, we should say something about sides because I think sometimes there's confusion about sides and that what it means to be Christian is never to choose sides. But I want to share a quote with you that's been sitting on my desk for months and months now. And I didn't realize till Wednesday morning that I think somehow the Spirit had it parked there with this Sunday in mind. And this is the quote. We must take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. Sometimes we must inter. Fear. When human lives are endangered, when human dignity is in jeopardy, national boundaries and sensitivities become irrelevant. Whenever men and women are persecuted because of their race and religion or political views, that place must at that moment become the center of the universe. That comes from the acceptance speech of the Nobel Prize from Elie Wiesel, whose people were crucified under the flag that people marched under last week. A flag that members of this congregation, including two living members, risked everything to oppose. 
I don't know how many of you know Colonel Cole. He goes to Sunday school at 8.30, and when he comes to worship, he sits right there. He doesn't come so much because he says he has trouble hearing. Well, maybe he doesn't like my preaching, and he's saying he doesn't. <laughs> he said it was artillery, but it might not. Ralph Cole met the love of his life before the war, Susan. But he refused to marry her before he went because he was afraid he'd widow her and didn't want to saddle her with the kind of baggage that came in that day and age with being a widow. Now, by the grace of God or dumb luck or a little bit of both, Ralph Cole survived six times when he says he should have been killed. And he and Susan built a beautiful life together. Colonel Cole should not have to see that flag in this country ever again. Jesus loved everyone, loved everyone. And he chose sides. Chose sides all the time. And in fact, it was in his choosing of sides that he made his love manifest. That's how he taught us. And what was Jesus' nickname? It wasn't the hammer. It wasn't the bomb. It wasn't the, it wasn't, uh, the truth. Actually, it might have been the truth, along with the way and the life. But Jesus first was called the Word. How does John begin John's gospel, John's love letter to humanity? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And likewise, in Genesis, in the very first book, how did it begin? Not just with a bang. God said, let there be. God said, let there be, and there was. In the Christian community, we believe that words have enormous potential to create to destroy. And what we create depends on what we say and how we speak. You all know this. Those of you who have a position in a company where there are people under you, the way you speak establishes an order and that sets up how that department or company will function and how those within it will relate with one another. And if you speak in such a way as to discriminate or to degrade, then you will give permission to everybody under you to do the same. And moreover, if you simply refuse to condemn that, then you provide cover for anyone beneath you to speak that way or behave that way because you've already shown them you will not oppose it. Words create worlds. I remember this vividly from when I was in high school. Now, I know there's some gray showing up in my beard. I appreciate the number of you who've been pointing that out to me lately. Very kind of you. But I wasn't in high school that long ago. But I had a teacher named Mr. Beaver. And Mr. Beaver always spoke about females using the word either chicks or broads. Exclusively. How do you suppose that affected the way we thought of and treated the females in that classroom? And how do you suppose that affected the way we conceived of females outside the classroom? There are only chicks and broads. Now, you could say, look, you were largely smart people, You're giving us a lot of credit. You can distinguish that from something wise. Those are just words. They're, they don't have any substance. When I went to graduate school to study rhetoric, one of the first things they told us is there is no such thing as mere rhetoric. There are no such thing as mere words. The wordsmith Maya Angelou said, words are things. I'm convinced, she said, words are things. And she said, they get into your wallpaper. They get into your upholstery. They get into your rugs. They get into your clothes. And finally, they get into they get into us. And once they do, they start to affect us. And, and conversely, they, they, well, they can affect us and then eventually infect us. And conversely, they can start to reveal then what's growing inside of us, whether it's good or ill. And that's what Jesus is trying to remind us today. 
And Jesus is talking about the purity laws of his time that said what you could and could not eat, and that determined whether or not you were pure or whether you were defiled. And Jesus says, it's not about what goes into the mouth because that's just going to come out and go to the sewer. It's what comes out of the mouth that reveals what is on the heart, not just mere words. And when what comes out of your mouth resembles what ought to go into the sewer, that's when you have true defilement. Words create And that's why we have to do a lot of work on the heart right now. I know we want to get out there and charge ahead, and I'm right there with you. But if we don't do our work on the heart, then we run the risk at the first sight of the flags and the first sniff of the citronella torches and the first echo of the chants to start spewing our own sewage, which I also understand happened last weekend. No, we have to work on the heart to cultivate a different way of being. Martin Luther King knew this to his core because he'd studied under Gandhi about satyagraha, soul force, and how to engage in true nonviolent resistance because he knew that his people needed to be ready when the fire hoses came on and the dogs were released on the people, that they had to be able spiritually to be strong enough not just to stand their physical ground, but to maintain and hold the moral high ground. So we got to work on their hearts, and that's our calling, to do some training. If you want to know what that looks like, start reading the Bible and praying an hour a day. If that feels like too much, try two hours a day. (laughs) That's just my way of saying it's going to take work if we do it well. We're going to come back to this theme of training throughout the year because I think that's in part what we're called to be is a training center for love. But today, let's not take on too many lessons. Let's just rest in the lesson that words matter and to take them seriously and to speak them seriously. So I'll leave you today with a few words that I think are worth sitting with for some time. They come from a Civil War general who in 1869 was invited uh, to gather to consider what might be a fitting monument to the battlefield at Gettysburg. And in response to the invitation, this is what he said. My engagements will not permit me to be present. And I believe if there, I could not add anything material to the information existing on the subject. I think it wiser, moreover, not to keep open the sores of war, but to follow the examples of those nations who endeavored to obliterate the marks of civil strife and to commit to oblivion the feelings it engendered. And that general was Robert E. Lee's biographer noted that Lee was, quote, quite prepared to use the past in a rather nostalgic manner when it came to old Southern constitutional principles and paternalist racial assurances. And yet he would have plowed the battlefields over rather than convert them into the shrines others would make of them. Shrines that were erected mainly under Jim Crow and under the civil rights movement as a resistance to progress, not as a remembrance of history. And the people who marched to his statue last week didn't understand what even Lee understood. That monuments such as that would speak an eternal word of strife to this people and inflict an immortal wound upon society. So let's take our journey one word at a time, offering a simple, swift, unequivocal word that when uttered from the heart, the right disposition can be a positive word. Let us begin with no.
You may be seated. I invite you to take a look at your bulletin to see what is coming up in the life of the church. We have several things beginning soon for the fall, so take a look at that. Um, I already mentioned the interfaith prayer vigil at Kol Shafar on Friday at 6. Also, I'd like to point out that if you are interested in working with our children or our youth in the coming year, we have a safe church training next Sunday after worship, and it will be actually required this year for anyone wanting to work with our children and youth to go through a safe church training. So take a look at the info there and RSVP to Jeff if you can attend. And Rob, you wanted to share an announcement? Yes, thank you. It's been a wonderful summer here of worship and ministry in all forms. One place we've fallen behind a little bit is in fulfilling our pledges and in giving. So we're running a little bit behind uh, where we're projected to be for this time of year. So let this be a gentle reminder if you're able to fulfill your pledge. If something has come up and things come up, please let us know primarily so we can help care for you and walk with you. Uh, And if you're feeling moved to give a little something extra to help meet the gap for the rest of this year, we would, of course, honor that. We're on target to be in good stead at the end of the year because we're being being responsible about our spending. But we do want to keep pace with what we promised we would do for the year. So let that be a gentle reminder. I invite you now, as you are comfortable, to stand and join in our closing hymn. It's number 787. Now, friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The love of God, who is Father and Mother of us all, be with you. And the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day 
be with you every day. Amen.